Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, it's been a fun week. Uh, We've had some interesting weather, not just on land, but out in the ocean, Uh, specifically the Pacific Ocean. We'll hop into that. But uh, man, you know what? It's July. We just went through the 4th of July. I hope everyone had a safe and happy 4th of July. I hope nobody blew anything up that wasn't meant to be. Um, Okay. But hey, you know what? Listen, I'm a big fan of fireworks. I love the smell of sulfur in the air after, you know, you light off, you know, 8,000 mortar rounds or whatever. Uh, it was a good time. How was your fourth? Uh, it was really good. I had a couple of friends come over, cooked out, hung out in the backyard and whatever. And uh, yeah, this, you know, I'm getting old. I was in bed at 930. Didn't even watch fireworks. Gone. Passed out. Gone. Oh, well, that that's probably a good thing. I know... Uh, I know the third member, B Squared, Mr. Clyde, probably appreciated that. Uh, yes, he was super tired, too, because he played outside all day in the water and with the dog next door. And, yeah, he passed out, too, and he was gone. It was nice to have a solid night's sleep with this baby. That is good. Um, I went to two parties on the 4th. They were all about a mile apart. One, one, one was on the houseboat, which I've talked about in other times, which I've DJed at. Uh, and so I was there for a while, and then I was at another friend's party just down the street. Uh, she lived on a lake, so that was fun. So got to uh, spend most of the day on the water. Uh, had to put on sunscreen because I did not want to burn, so thankfully I didn't. But I do have a very nice dark tan, um, and you can tell where I wear my watch because that's still winter white. But uh, yeah, it was a good uh, it was a good holiday overall. And like I said, saw some fireworks. Uh, I'm house-sitting for a friend of mine who has two basset hounds, so once the party kind of, you know, started to wind down, I quickly hopped on the freeway, didn't want to deal with traffic, and got home, and the dogs are fine, but uh, yeah, people decided that, hey, you know what, even though it's now the 5th of July, it's still appropriate to launch off mortar rounds at, you know, like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, which, listen, I'm all for fireworks, I love it, but do it on the 4th. Yes, oh my gosh, yes, like couple of days leading up to the fourth last night I swear i just that's what i don't like is that it's like three or four days of fireworks not just the fourth right but hey you know to each his own happy birthday america um Woo. love celebrating every year i don't know if you know this if you saw my you know facebook and twitter you probably realized it but uh, i'm a direct descendant of john adams so um shout out to the uh grandfather of ye and yay old times because uh he was part of the champion cause to uh leave the crown and uh fight for american independence well look at you you're like super patriotic then yes especially my twin sister so but uh it is it's really cool so it's oh i do have the best fourth of july joke ever but i can't take credit for it i saw my friend shannon put it on her all right what do you got but it's so good. It's why doesn't America like knock knock jokes? I don't know. Why don't they like knock knock jokes? Because freedom rings. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. Right? Oh, man. 
4th of July. Right. I'm putting that in the description of our show this weekend. <laughs> we got to put it in there. Um, but so, yeah, we had, you know, the man-made fireworks. It was beautiful. Uh, if you got to catch any of the shows or you got to, you know, see some in the neighborhood. Hope you guys had a great time. But uh, we had an interesting week out here in Portland. And July 1st, man, it was one of those days where we had some storms pop up and we were under, you know, the slight severe or we were just under the, the thunderstorm, quote unquote, banner from uh, Storm Prediction Center. And so uh-huh. I tweeted, I was like, yeah, check this out. Highway to the danger zone. It's back in Oregon. <laughs> you know, not, nothing's really going to happen. And, you know, July 1st uh, is my dad's birthday. And so, um, you know, it's yeah. been kind of a sad anniversary since my father passed away a couple of years ago but uh we're gonna go to dinner with my mom and my brother and his wife and then some other family members and as i was walking out the door uh i get a notification from the national weather service sue inws saying you know significant weather advisory for washington county and i'm like for what and you know, i've been kind of watching the clouds all day and nothing looked you know too ominous and i pull up the the text and look at it and i kid you not a you know basically a thunderstorm has popped up in the span of like 10 minutes and now just like a baby storm like we saw it growing it's one of those ones that like super explosive and i was like all right so i grabbed my niece and nephew who are 12 and i'm like or 11 i'm like we're going storm chasing they're like what i'm like we're going storm chasing like but we have to go to dinner i'm like we're gonna be late so we hopped in the car um there's a new development just to the north of where I live, and it's got this, it's on the side of a hill, and it's got this beautiful view, um, completely unobstructed, 180 degree view from basically south to north, looking out over rural Washington County where the storm was. And so I'm like, all right, so I fired up the live stream camera, and I just sat there for a good 20 minutes and just watched and streamed live this video of just thunderstorms popping, and there was some pretty good lightning strikes. Um, I called in a spot report. I know the National Weather Service already knew that there was a thunderstorm going on, but I was like, you know, I'm going to call anyways. Um, didn't have any hail in my location. I was, I think, five five or so miles from the actual storm. But, I mean, it was putting out a lot of lightning, which was really cool to see. Uh, and so we had that. And then these storms kind of progressed off to the east. Well, lo and behold, we get a moderately strong cell. I mean, nothing remotely you know, interesting that I would look at and be like, oh, yeah, there's something there. But we had a tornado go through North Portland. Man. And, you know, we're seeing reports come across Twitter like, oh, you know, there's a huge wind gust and it knocked down a couple of trees and power poles. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, another guy posts a video of like the wind swirling around outside of his condo. And I was like, wow. okay. And we're starting to see photos of people posting like, oh, is this a funnel cloud? And at that point, I'm like, you know what? If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, <laughs> chances are it's a duck. Right. And I'm like, I understand. And I'm So at this point, we're seeing all these reports. And someone's like, oh, was it a tornado? And everybody in our weather community out here was chirping like, oh, no, it wasn't. And I go pull up velocity scan on radar scope. And, I mean, it's not well-defined. It's not like, you know, we're seeing these storms back through Oklahoma City and, you know, like especially that storm that was approaching Kansas City where, you know, the gate-to-gate velocities are over 170 miles an hour. I mean, this is like a gate-to-gate velocity of maybe 12 miles an hour. 
<laughs> and I mean, I mean, the radar in Portland is looking at it, you know, a thousand feet up. So, right. you know, it's toward the bottom of any type of cell. And so you would think it would have a good, you know, signature or anything to depict it and nothing, just pretty, just pretty weak. And everybody's like, well, you know, it just, it, it might be a tornado, it might not be. And I'm like, well, you know, let's just, let's just wait. And I get a text message from a guy I used to work with in one of my radio jobs way back when. He's like, hey, man, I have video of the tornado going through North Portland. And I'm like, hold up, what? He's like, yeah, man, I got video of it. And I'm like, like actual visible proof. He goes, yeah, you can see the wind swirling around in like a like a tight rotation. Oh. And I'm like, you got to send this to me. You absolutely have to send this to me. And he's like, okay. So he, you know, he's like, I'm going to try and email it to you. I'm like, no, no, just send it to me on Facebook Messenger and then I can, I'll take a look at it. And at the same time, I'm in this group text I've told you about where it's um, one of the chief Mets in town, um, one of his other meteorologists, uh, meteorologists from the CBS affiliate, and then everybody else on the Oregon AMS Council. And I was like, hey, Brian and Steve, I'm getting a video being sent to me right now from a friend that claims he has, you know, video of this tornado through North Portland. So he sends it to me and I watch it. And I mean, it's one of those videos where you can't really tell what's going on. You know, it's really windy. There's no condensation funnel. There's nothing. And then all of a sudden the last 30 seconds, you see this vortex hit either a debris pile or a dust pile. And all of a sudden it pops up for a good half second. And you're like, okay, there's rotation. And at that point, so I sent it to those guys and they're like, we need to get a hold of this guy. I need his phone number. We need permission to use a video, yada, yada, yada. So we're like, all right. Same time, the National Weather Service is like, hey, we're going to dispatch a survey team out just to take a look at it just in case. And they come back with basically uh, it was a mile long tornado. Uh, It's about 40 yards wide. They rated it an EF zero, um, did some damage to some houses, siding, shingles, some bricks, um, picked up some debris and tossed it. But. Like we said, Bonnie, no condensation funnel, no condensate, no real true sign of a, like an actual funnel coming down out of the sky. But it's one of those instances where it was clearly based on the debris and based on the storm survey, a tornado. Wow. And so is that y'all's first tornado in a while? No. And that's the funny thing. Like we we get them occasionally, but we uh, the ones that we get here are what we call cold core funnels. Mm-hmm. So basically it's super cold in the atmosphere up above. Right. And there's minimal warming. I mean, our average temperature, you know, when we get tornadoes in that season are between 40 and 60 degrees. Wow. And so there is some instability, but not a whole lot. I mean, definitely not anything of the parameters you guys look at, you know, for yeah. EF for EF zeros or EF five. But we have tornadoes come through occasionally. Uh, we had one um, earlier this year or late last year that went through North Portland and went through the yard of the trucking warehouse that my brother in law works at. And so they're just small little spin ups, and they're incredibly hard to detect on radar. Uh, they don't last very long, and chances are, if you're not looking at the exact scan at the right time, you don't see it. 
Yeah. And so definitely not warned, but man, it was one of those ones where I was like, oh, there's a tornado. Yeah, it was an EF zero. <laughs> hey, doesn't matter. It was still a tornado and it, it did knock some stuff over and like blow some things around. So, hey, woo. Right. That That's one for the books. I'm telling you. It is. And, you know, the thunderstorms continue to kind of fire up and move off to the north and east and you know people had lots of hail and other stuff but it's just like one of those things where it's like okay we weren't in an enhanced risk we weren't in a marginal risk we weren't in a high risk we were literally just in the we were under the you know the weakest thunderstorm label and these pop up and see and that just goes to show you the storms don't pay attention to those yep they don't lines or labels or sections they just do what they do so I mean, if there's a risk in or around your area, you kind of just need to be paying attention, even if it is for an EF zero. Exactly. And again, it's a mile long. It you know went down a city, you know, a couple city blocks. It went from one street down to the other. Again, we talk about normal tornado tracks, you know, moving from southwest to northeast. This kind of did the opposite. It went from northwest to southeast. But again, wow. over two or three blocks, not a big deal. But enough to yeah. knock down some pretty big trees. To bend over some power poles, you know, rearrange some lawn furniture. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a pretty exciting, you know, <laughs> kickoff to the weekend. One that uh, I will not forget anytime soon. Yes, definitely. I know you sent me that Twitter link. I was like, oh my gosh, you guys got a little little, little nader. Yes, we did, and it was awesome. <laughs> well, I'm so happy and proud for you guys. Thank you. <laughs> I was really bummed I was not out actively chasing it. Not that I would have anyways, but. Hey, you might not have even seen it anyways. If exactly. You, were out there. you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, there was a tornado here. I would have gone to the storm survey and, you know, looked at the damage. But other than that, you know, not a whole lot. But um, we move from, you know, thunderstorms on land to organized areas of thunderstorms offshore. Uh, last week, we talked about Hurricane Barbara. We adopted as one of our favorite names. Mm, uh, yes, Babs. Yep, going for Babs, and uh, we're waiting for Hurricane Bonnie in a couple of years. But uh, Babs was out there churning away in the Pacific, just minding her own business, when all of a sudden uh, Babs became Super Babs. And <laughs> it be uh, it was the fifth earliest eastern Pacific storm with winds of 155 miles an hour, high-end Cat 4. Um, it's in the process right now of dying out, uh, has moved into some colder waters, and uh, eventually will become you know pretty extra tropical. It will affect Hawaii as a post-tropical wave. They'll see some increased rain and wind, nothing too big. Um, but yeah, man, that thing uh, was a storm that could stayed out over some really warm water, and that thing flourished. And I don't know if you saw, but the the imagery from Ghost West and the Japanese satellites were really impressive of that storm. Yes. Wasn't she going for like two weeks? Because I feel like this is the second show or third show we've talked about her. Uh, this is the second show. So she's been uh, churning away for just about, I think, seven or eight days. I can go look um, via NHC. But yeah, she was uh, she kind of kicked up. It was the area of invest, I want to say mid last week. And then we were talking about this. Uh, it had formed into a tropical storm and was going to. Um, kick up and continue to move. So, yeah, Barbara is now post-tropical cyclone Barbara. And she is right on the border. Um, oh, they do have now include Hawaii in the cone. So they're saying it's just going to be a disturbance all the way through. 
um, through 2 a.m. Monday is when the cone goes out. And it looks like it's going to uh, possibly skirt south of the Hawaiian Islands, but we shall see. Uh, the big island probably will see some impact, maybe at least with the waves and the wind and all that fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, she has been uh, out there just churning, just kind of doing her own thing. Uh, let me go back and see the wind history when she was. Oh, it doesn't give a thing, but uh, we can do the advisories, and this will tell us. Let's see here. She kicked up on Sunday, June 30th. So, yeah, last week. So, this is day seven. She's been going tough. Babs to the bone, you know. Rough. I'm just crossing it out there. <laughs> Somebody's puntastic today. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, so, yeah, so she currently sits... Um, it's the, this is the last advisory for post-tropical cyclone Barbara. Um, she's currently t- uh, 1,040 miles east of Hilo, Hawaii, uh, 1,910 miles west of the southern tip of Baja, California. So uh, she's moving right along, not really going to do anything. There are no watches and warnings. And, uh, yeah, she'll probably uh, affect the Hawaiian Islands just a little bit, but... Uh, as a post-tropical storm. So now that Barbara has died, we now welcome tropical, tropical storm Cosme. And Cosme is out there churning away at 50 miles an hour. Central pressure just above 1,000 millibars. And she's moving west-north or west, or he, she, it is moving uh, west-northwest at 14 miles an hour. Cosme is expected to weaken into a tropical depression early to mid this week. Uh, currently as a tropical storm now will remain a tropical storm moving to colder waters here once she gets past um, the 20th parallel and uh, we'll start to die out quickly so another storm out there just kind of chilling not really doing much and not forecast to get much stronger well hey we're just moving right along through the list Um, I know that there's nothing happening in the Atlantic right now correct but not yet Right. Well, if you go pop open the National Hurricane Center website, nhc.noaa.gov, you will see something very interesting that I I believe has only happened a handful of times. Um, There is an area of investigation or an area chance of disturbance that they are watching in the next 48 hours. It has a zero chance of forming, however... Bonnie and MCS is forecasted to possibly emerge into the Gulf coming from the continental United States and has a chance to evolve into what would be possibly baby Barry. I really hope it happens because I mean, that's what, that's what a hurricane tropical depression, tropical storm is, is it storms coming off Africa's coast. So why can't it happen here? And I just think, that would just be incredible, and I think that would make Barry legendary. Legend Barry. Right. Okay, so it's really, I think that would just be amazing. Like, when I saw that on Twitter, I had to look at it for a long time. I was like, am I seeing this? This is storms, like, coming out of, like, Tennessee. Right. And then, like, I just had to watch it a couple of times. I was like, wow, that is just magic. 
So when we go look at it, so I'll, I'll just read you the text as of about 20 minutes ago. This was posted. A trough of low pressure over western Kentucky, Tennessee, and northern Mississippi is forecast to move over the northeastern Gulf of Mexico, where a low pressure area could form early next week. Some gradual development of the system is then possible as it drifts westward over the northern Gulf of Mexico through midweek. Formation chance the next 40, 48 hours is low, near 0%. Formation oh. chance through five days, low at 20%. But, yeah, this thing right now, you look at a visible satellite, it's nothing but a, you know, an X <laughs> sitting, you know, currently sitting in the middle of uh, western Tennessee. There's a couple lines of showers associated with it, but the cold front is now moving off the coast. And this area will kick up more storms and thunderstorms today. And uh, this thing's going to drift. And if it does become Barry, I, I agree. I think this can be legendary and something that we're going to be talking about for a while because it does not, you know, this doesn't happen a whole heck of a lot. It's happened before and history does repeat itself, but it's definitely not one of those things where we're like, oh, this happens a lot. As you're right. Storms are coming off Africa, they form in the Caribbean, and then they impact the United States. They don't come off the United States, develop into a storm, and re-affect the United States often. Right, and that's, that is just fascinating to me. And if that doesn't spark anyone's interest in weather, then nothing will. You know, I mean, wow, that's all I can say. It's just wow, and I just, I'm going to be watching it for the next several days and just see, see what happens. I'm, I'm super excited about it. <laughs> yeah, same here. And again, we've seen a bunch of, you know, MCS complexes come together and form, you know, kind of a super strong MCS. And we've seen these complexes bow out and create, you know, directos as they, you know, plow through the countryside. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've, you know, again, we know it's happened, but I don't think I've ever seen an MCS turn into a tropical system. Yeah. I mean, obviously it can, and it's really in theory, that's what it is uh, on, you know, a pretty, you know, base level. It's an organized yeah. areas of showers, which is what an MCS is. So, hey, awesome. So definitely if we're going by textbook definition, right? that's what forms, you know, tropical systems. But like you said, it's just the United States creating it and then that tropical system reaffecting the United States. Right. is not the norm at right. all. So just excited to see what happens. Right. Speaking of things that are normal and not normal, um, we saw up in Alaska uh, the all-time hottest record set at Anchorage of 90 degrees. Now, I know oh we, sh- we should not laugh because <laughs> you're like, oh, 90 degrees, really? Come on. Um, that temperature taken at Ted Stevens International Airport, which is, you know, the big airport um, in Anchorage where they do the official measurement, uh, shares it with an Air Force base. But this is the first time in recorded history that they reached 90 degrees. And, you know, it was kind of one of those steps where everything had to happen perfectly to get it. They've been under a ridge of high pressure and there's been a lot of warm air associated with it. But as the forecaster that was on the weather channel yesterday said, you know, it's not that uncommon for areas inland of Anchorage to reach 90 degrees during the summer. It's not like a prolonged heat wave. That's kind of the story here where it's been, you know, several days near record high temperatures. But um, because of where this station is located, they get a sea breeze and it usually keeps the temperature down a couple degrees. And so they've never really cracked 90 
and you know they said this is the first time it's ever happened but they were saying all the ingredients had to come into play so they're like uh and even dr rick knapp from the weather channel was doing the interview and she he was like so tell me about the wind setup because apparently that's the reason why you guys broke 90 and the forecasts were like well yeah you know normally we have a west or southwest wind that blows in the ocean air and it keeps us a little bit cooler but mm-hmm. we had a north wind and that's air that had been sitting out, you know, in some of the valleys and just kind of came in over Anchorage and really bumped the temperature up. And so, lo and behold, they finally hit 90 degrees. Which is amazing. Do you think it's like a dry heat? Uh, you know what? It, it might be. Um, although I know that there's a lot of moisture in Alaska, permafrost, other things. So it's probably yeah. somewhat humid. Um Weird. Let me go back and see if we can find that because that's actually a really good question. Um, I'm going to ask a really dumb question. Is there snow on the ground all the time in Alaska? Uh, in, in certain parts, yes. Oh, okay. Um, so where it hit 90, there's probably not snow. No, there's not. So, um, so I was thinking maybe the reflection of the sun off the snow right cause the air to warm up if that makes any sense no it totally does it totally makes sense um let's see here that's not what i was looking for um no you're right it totally makes sense um and they're dealing with a lot of forest fires so there's smoke in the area too which you know smoke can also cap you know the amount of heat so there yeah Uh, let me go back and look at this okay so they hit oh, I don't know much about Alaska. I want to take an Alaskan cruise. That's what I want to do. Uh the humidity when they hit their ninety degrees was at forty nine percent. So relatively not humid. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um and it's funny, so at this is actually really kind of interesting here. So their temperature, they hit ninety degrees just about four o'clock. So almost, oh, sorry, almost about five o'clock, somewhere in there. But the temperature was sitting at 81 degrees with a west wind. The wind changed around to the northwest, 81. Stronger northwest wind came in, temperature ramped up to 85. And then the west wind kicked in and that pushed him over 90. So yeah, so that west-northwest wind came in. But uh, yeah, impressive stuff. How long were they at 90? Like, how long did it take them to cool down, does it say? Uh, I'm looking at the numbers here. So they were at at 4 o'clock, they were at 89. 5 o'clock, they were at 88. 6 o'clock, they were at 88. 7 o'clock, they were at 87. Mm-hmm. Um, 8 o'clock, they were at 83. 9 o'clock, 80. Uh, 10 o'clock, 71. Wow. Yeah, midnight, it was 69. Uh, and then they got down to 61 was the lowest temperature at 4 a.m. But wow. smoke had come in, and they've been under smoke, and it's kind of part of that. But you got to remember, it's daylight in Alaska for something like 20 hours right now. And if they had regular, then it would have just, it probably would have cooled off a lot quicker and probably, probably cooled off more, right. like below 60. And obviously, if, you mean, they're not going to get, in the winter, again, it's the exact opposite, where the sun's only up for a handful of hours, and then it's dark. You know, the other times, so you're definitely not going to be looking at temperatures, you know, anywhere near 90 that time. But, yeah, it's it was fascinating to see. Um, I know that there have been some climate tweets gone back and forth about, you know, climate change and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think Dr. Rick Nabb tweeted out and I think I retweeted on the weather podcast 
um, Twitter that, you know, it's not necessarily an anomaly. These things happen from time to time. Um, and even the National Weather Service forecaster said, hey, we get to 90 occasionally on inland, you know, inland readings quite frequently during the summer. So um, something to watch out. And, yeah, I understand. Area of high pressure over Alaska, just keeping it a lot warmer than usual. So maybe we just chalk it up to uh, something. But, you know, we will see. Yeah. I mean, definitely flukes happen in every aspect of weather. I mean, we have record low pressure systems. We have, you know, record hurricanes, record cold temperatures, record wind. I mean, it's just kind of how it goes. You know, it just, it's mother nature just doing its thing. Right. And eventually we will have answers to all of this. So. Right. Right. Let's Um, just go with the flow. Right. But speaking of random things happening in the summer that shouldn't happen in the summer. Uh, it snowed in Houston, Texas. <laughs> oh, Houston. <laughs> oh, so apparently, and this is last week, and you know this information now just getting to us, but a snowfall record was set at Houston Intercontinental Airport June 29th with a trace. <laughs> While it technically wasn't snow, the site did report hail, which is classified as a snowfall variable. And it breaks a record for 2018 as the latest snowfall. <laughs> Go Houston. Right. To which the forecasters like one, did it actually hail in Houston? Cause they were confused by that. <laughs> but who in their right mind classifies hail as a snowfall product? Uh, someone who really wants a record to be broken. <laughs> I, I just, I don't get it. Like why? <laughs> You know, to make an interesting story, an interesting headline for the month of June. Right. I can't wait. I cannot wait to read about it in Weatherwise in their little blurb. <laughs> well, go Houston. I'm telling you, breaking records and just first it's Hurricane Harvey and now it's snow in June. I'm just, you go Houston with your record breaking <laughs> weather events. I wonder if it was humid. <laughs> I bet. How could it not? I feel like Houston is always humid. That's true. That is true. But yeah, so it snowed slash hailed and a trace amount set a record. So if I wouldn't know any better, if I was not weather savvy and I just happened to stumble upon snowfall records and be like, oh my gosh, this is totally, an, this is the, here's the smoking gun for climate change. Yeah, it's what? snowing in Houston, Texas during the summer. If that that is someone just trying to use the technical term for winter precipitation. Exactly. To get a good headline. And it, it is a good headline. I mean, it really is. But I mean, <laughs> you know, read more than the headline, please. <laughs> but speaking of headlines, as we transition to something a little bit more serious of a topic, um, you know, we're into summer full swing. Uh, like I said, I spent a lot of time during the 4th of July out by a river and a lake. And I know a lot of people flock to beaches and, you know, it's it's an issue that public safety people, meteorologists, we all are kind of aware of things that happen. And Bonnie, we had the stats in from last year, uh, 2018 for so, uh, surf zone deaths, basically. So people that are either out surfing or out in ocean um, and they get swept out either by a rip current or, you know, certain issues. And. You know, the stats are in 105 documented surf zone deaths reported 
two thirds of those, uh, two thirds of them were rip current related. Eighty three percent of those were male, so we won't even, you know, we can say guys are stupid, which I'm not going to necessarily disagree with that statement. I know you're not going to either. Um, no comment. Right, a third of those guys were thirty to forty nine. You know, and more than half occurred in this window from June to August. So um, if you're going to be at the beach, please pay attention to the forecasts. I know most of the beaches up and down the East Coast, there are lifeguard stations and they put out flags and warnings. Please educate yourself on what those mean. If there is a strong rip current, stay out of the water. It's just not worth it. If somehow you get swept into the rip current, let it take you out to the sea. Let it push you out until you can break it. You swim, you know, parallel to the coastline until you are stopped being dragged out. Once that yeah. means you're out of the rip current, you can swim your way back in. But just stay out of the water. If you know the conditions are rough, just don't put your life at risk. Same thing when we say turn around, don't drown if there's flooding. Just mitigate, you know, mitigate your risk. Avoid it at all costs because it's just not worth. It's not just. It's just not worth losing your life. You know, and 105 deaths are way too many. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, swimming and risking your life. No, you want to have many more days, many more summers of swimming in the ocean. So just wait it out. Right, and guys, no need to show off to the ladies. I know that's what we're doing. I get it. We all do it. Just, it's not worth it. Yeah, drowning is not impressive to us. I'm just going to say that. No, it's really not. (laughs) It's not impressive to anybody, but just, again, be careful. Educate yourself on what the signs mean. I mean, out here on the Oregon coast, we have lifeguard stands, but they're very rarely occupied. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have signs up, and so just get to know it. This is not like Southern California where you actually have Baywatch and the girls running around in the skimpy bathing suits that will come into the ocean and save your life. Just... Please, please be careful when you're out on the beach. Yes, yes. And they all have the flags, like the yep. yellow and the red ones. I, I don't know what they mean, but I'm in a landlocked state, so I don't know nothing about it. I was going to say, do you have much uh, oceanfront property there in Oklahoma? No, not yet. Yeah, well, <laughs> give us some time, apparently. Uh, As my boy George Strait says, I have some oceanfront property that I'll sell you in Arizona. So. <laughs> But, hey, we will get to that part in a minute because if California does shake away into the ocean, there will be some prime That's real estate. That's what I'm saying. Right? Like, the ocean is getting closer to <laughs> Oklahoma okay? because California is trying to fall off. Right. Yeah, yeah it's possible. Um, one cool thing that we did have earlier in the week, uh, the total solar eclipse, South America and out over the Pacific Ocean. Uh, Ghost West caught a great view of it in their, you know, uh, in their visible products. Uh, and you can see the... You know, the shadow of the moon traverse across the globe. And, man, it was uh, it was cool to watch. With Babs, too, right? Yeah. It was, it was Babs yep. and, the, and the eclipse. It was nice. Yeah, Super Babs was out there turning away in the Pacific, and you got the, got the uh, eclipse that moved uh, to her southeast. And it oh. was a great photo. You can find it on Twitter. A lot of people posted it. Uh, did yeah. you see my photo of the guy that I snapped on the live stream, the man holding the puppet? No. Oh, you need to go back and look at mine. Go back and look at my Twitter at Bobby Corser. There's a gentleman with a puppet on his arm, left arm. And this gentleman's wearing the solar glasses to look at it. And the puppet's also wearing the solar glasses. (laughs) 
So I tweeted out. Safety first. Yeah. So I tweeted out. I'm like, I don't know what's happening here, but hey, it's all good. So I put it on Twitter, Facebook, and my personal Instagram. And my Instagram quote was my favorite. Live this life like this guy lives. (laughs) Right. And the puppet, too. The puppet is living it up. Oh, yeah. You need to go. Why? You got to go. You got to see this because it is. It's fantastic. (laughs) I'm going to look it up. (laughs) Oh, comedy. But, um, you know, we talked about yesterday as we were putting the show together. um, Do we want to jump into the L.A. earthquake? And we shouldn't really call it the LA earthquake. It's now the you know California earthquake. Well, lo and behold, last night about six thirty, seven o'clock, my phone chirps and they're like, "It's a seven point one," and I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "No." And then literally, my twin sister sends me a text, another big quake, and I was like, "Okay." And I'm trying to reload the USGS earthquake map. I'm trying to load the apps on oh. my phone, and everything's down. Yep. I have a friend of mine who lives in Turlock, California. She's calling me. She goes, oh, my God, we just had an earthquake. And I'm like, one, are you okay? She's like, yeah, things are swaying all over the place. And I was like, holy crap. And we start getting the news, you know, coming in through other sources. 7.1, 7.1. And we're like, we just had a 6.4 yesterday. Right. And then we get followed up with a 7.1, which if you follow earthquakes and you follow geology um, and plate tectonics, generally you got a big quake and then several smaller quakes will follow out in aftershocks and they're like nope this is basically you know a bigger one on the same fault line so the 6.4 caused the 7.1 now they're saying and they were saying there's a 10 percent chance you get a bigger quake that will happen now and lo and behold it did but man just to watch people try and figure out what's going on uh, this is happening in isolated communities. There's mm-hmm. a naval air station out there and a couple smaller towns, but they're like, there's no communication. We know that there are issues. We know there are fires and other things. Yeah. And just watching the coverage from KTLA and KCAL 9 down in L.A. was pretty fascinating. Did you see that the Oklahoma seismograph picked it up? I did, and I, I saw that you had retweeted that. I also retweeted that, but... Man, a thousand miles away, you guys, you know, the seismograph felt it. Yeah. I mean, we didn't feel it, but yeah, the seismograph did. And so I just think that that is amazing. But yes, those, some of the most fascinating earthquake videos to me are people's pools. Yes. And there's so many of them all over Twitter. And I mean, it is just the sound, the sloshing. It is just like, it is crazy. It's like a little mini tsunamis going on in people's backyards. And that is just, I don't know, for me, it's just, it's hard to like wrap my head around it. Cause it's like you taking a bowl of water and shaking it, you know? And I'm just yep. like, but, but this is within the earth. Yeah. And you I, know what I mean? So it's like a bigger scale and it's just, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. It's really scary. Right. And I know that you guys have some earthquakes in Oklahoma and those are more not due to plate tectonics, but fracking, you right. know, where you're pumping out oil and gas and you're putting water in and. You know, I know there's a whole debate raging about if that's, you know, a good thing or not. Um, but, you know, you have some big quakes. You guys have had threes and fours. And I know, you know, people in the Oklahoma City metro area have felt them. Yes. But when you have a 6.4 and then a 7.1, the 7.1 is 10 times stronger than the 6.4. While it's only a difference of, you know, 0.7 on the Richter scale, it's 10 times more powerful and I think a hundred times more energy was released. 
So these things, I mean, they do damage. And again, I live out in the Pacific Northwest. I know that I'm, you know, near a major fault line just off of our coast. There will be a day where we get a 6.4 or 7.1. And, you know, knock on wood, this never happens. An 8.0 is very possible. And with that would come a lot of destruction and a tsunami and a whole number of things. Yes. So, I mean, we do our best to be prepared. Um, I sent a text to my mom last night. We need to go over our emergency plan again. Now that we have new family members and family members are moving to different parts of the state. You know, in the event something happens, we need to know where to go and how to get there and, you know, go through that whole protocol. But, um, you know, you saw the video last night from Las Vegas where, you know, they're a couple hundred miles away and, you know, the scoreboard is swaying and they cancel a bunch of summer league games uh, because they don't know what's going on. You know, you saw the video from Dodger Stadium where the camera's shaking and, you know, the people in the press box know what's going on, but the baseball game just kind of continues. So. I know. I was like, it was like the people on the bottom levels didn't really know. And those people at the top levels were like, we got to get out of here. Oh yeah. Here. They and knew. Just, yeah. They felt it. And that, I, that would be, I don't know what's scarier to be at the bottom of all of that or to be at the top of a structure like that when it's shaking. I just feel like there's scary aspects to both levels. You know what I mean? Oh, so, totally. Totally. Oh. I, I have a guy that I used to work with in radio that was on the top floor of the old candlestick park in San Francisco when the Bay area quake hit in the eighties. Um, and I'm probably dating myself and I know that's probably not even the right decade, but you know, eighties or nineties. And, you know, he said it was like, you know, seeing things sway back and forth that shouldn't be moving. And it's just, it's, you know, one of those phenomenons that, you know, we kind of live with, you guys get your tornadoes and severe thunderstorms. We, we deal with giant earthquakes. Right. So So everyone's got their natural disasters that they are used to kind of, and uh, like to see those cracks in the road, those big old cracks right. in the road from that. That is just so like, I don't know, because I'm not used to that. To me, it's something out of like a natural disaster fiction film where it's like, it's just going to open and you're just going to see the core of the earth. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not going to do that, but still, it's just, I don't know. It's just mind blowing to me. Sure. And, you know, listen, occasionally you get a fissure like that. And if that's the case. You know, you're probably going to have, you know, molten lava come shooting out and it becomes a volcano. But, um, you know, you're right. It's one of those things where you look at these pictures and you look at, you know, the physics and the geology of earthquakes. And they're like, ah, you know what? It's the earth pulling away from a fault or it's the earth, you know, subducting underneath another plate. And these things happen pretty frequently. And when they happen in Southern California, it's a big deal because when they're really big, you know, people feel it and there is some panic. Um, but one thing I want to bring up, we've talked about on this show a lot, is communicating science with lay people or people that aren't in the scientific community. Right. And I got to give a shout out to Dr. Lucy Jones from the USGS and Caltech down in California. She's the lady that they've been showing on the TV pretty much nonstop. She's doing all the press briefings. Um, Listen, as somebody that's that's worked in the press and a member of the press, it's not easy to talk to scientists from that angle. It's just not because, you know, as a reporter, as a producer, yeah, it's our job to know as much as we can, as quickly as we can to basically make ourselves an expert on it within a time frame. Mm-hmm. And the people that eat, breathe and live it, obviously, they know way more than most of us will. 
but it's very hard sometimes for those people to communicate in basic terms. Yeah. And this woman is a genius. She's got a PhD from MIT. Um, and, you know, she has her own institute on how to be a better science communicator. And so shout out to her. Um, I follow her on Twitter now at Dr. Lucy Jones. She's awesome. She's a wealth of knowledge for anything, you know, earthquake related, geology related. But I just got to give her props because the way that she communicates with the public, the way that she communicates with the press, it it's warm, it's inviting, it makes you feel like you can understand what she's saying. And one of my favorite lines from her this week was, you know, 4th of July on Thursday, they have this, you know, 6.4. And she was like, I felt really bad. I had to call everybody and tell them you can't come over today. And she was like, yep, you know, I got a fridge full of food. And somebody in the press pool popped up. It was like, oh, press party. And she just laughed. And, you know, that that to me, it humanizes somebody. It makes you sound more credible and more likable. But, you know, earthquakes are fascinating. Meteorology is fascinating. If we can just find a way to better explain things to people in ways that we can all understand, I think we would advance the sciences so much more further, so much more clearer, and I think a lot more people would be interested in it in the end. Definitely, and I think there'd be a lot less flack from the public towards the experts in these different fields because they would have a little better understanding of the workings no i totally agree with you i totally agree you that that's exactly what needs to be said because if we can continue to raise awareness that it's cool to like science it's cool to like math and you know all these aspects of exploring and figuring things out it's only beneficial to mankind Mm -hmm. there's no downside to exploring and learning about stuff Exactly. Even if it is complicated, it's still important. Right. And if you learn about the stuff, again, we hate to harp saying it, but it could save your life. Yep. Knowledge is power. It is true. What other cliche phrase can we throw out? I don't know. Do we have any more puns or cliches that we can throw into this awesome Luck ep- favors the prepared. Yes. Yes. That's one of my favorites. Right. Uh, but the, it's true. Yeah, Boy Scout motto: always be prepared. Boom. It's not, you know, it's it's not rocket science. Well, it is actual rocket science, but you know what I mean. <laughs> we digress. Yes, we do. Uh, and that's a perfect transition into our last topic. Uh, Bonnie, this is episode fifty-three of B Squared. We Ooh. are kicking off year number two. We've kind of looked back over the last two episodes of the year, but man. Um, you know, we launched last year with the idea of sharing our passion of weather with those out there in the podcast world, the social media world. Um, and in that year, we've learned a lot about ourselves. We've made some new friends. Uh, we picked up a third member of the show in Clyde. Uh, we <laughs> were, She's napping right now, very much contributing to the show. So thank you, Clyde. That is good because uh, apparently this early, what, you said he exploded a Sharpie on your couch? Um, yeah, yeah, he chewed up a red Sharpie on the couch last week. So, really appreciating his existence right now. <laughs> oh, poor pup. <laughs> um, you know, we had talked about last week, we were, you know, we're really, you know, we were excited in March to join the National Weather Podcast Month, and we're still super excited. Um, we talk to those guys a lot, we interact with them on Twitter. Um, 
you know, we've brought a lot of really good content into the show. Um, this is my fun stat of the week. Uh, altogether, we've produced nearly 21 hours of B-squared. Ooh, that's almost one full day of B-squared. Right. Uh, year two is getting started, as we said. I can't wait to see what happens next. So we are so thankful for you guys that continue to listen and help us grow our show. Uh, it's been a fun ride so far, Bonnie, and I'm really excited to see what year number two brings. Absolutely. Me too. We couldn't do it without all, all of our listeners. So please stay listening and we'll keep podcasting. Yes, we will. And again, we're blessed and we're very thankful that, you know, you guys let us share our passion of weather with you. Uh, because if not, it'd just be Bonnie and I talking to ourselves. <laughs> which we would do. Yes, which we still would do, but we just want to share this with you now. So Exactly. Exactly. It's way more fun to talk you all ears off. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> exactly. And thanks to everybody that interacts with us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. We really do appreciate it. Um, you know, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Weather Podcast. On Facebook, just search B Squared Weather. Uh, we're you know constantly striving to update that stuff. We're going to do a really good job of that this year, especially. Um, I'd like to launch a blog and hopefully a new website, which would be really awesome. And uh, cool. yeah, we got some fun things that we want to do uh, going forward between now and next July first. Right? Maybe some merch coming down the pipeline. That would be sweet. So if y'all like weather merch, stay tuned. Right. Uh, we do need to make a David Payne shirt. We got to make that happen. Yeah. I'm going yep. through some Oklahoma News 9 withdrawals. I have not seen my boy D. Payne on TV talking about condensate lately. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> not yelling for Valcaster. It'll happen. Wait for our second little mini oh, severe yeah. weather season to come around, and, and we'll get a little more. Yeah. I'm just, I just get a bunch of stuff from uh, – Damon Lane over at Coco TV, and you know I'm I'm really bummed. <laughs> kind of missing my my boy D Payne. Ah, uh, Coco TV, that's the best, literally the best. <laughs> <laughs> that will go down as one of our when when we sign off the show, whenever that is, several several years down the road, we will look back and be like Coco TV. Coco TV, that those were the days. Right. By the way, when I come chasing in Oklahoma next year. We need to get a photo of me out in front of Coco TV. I will be holding a cocoa packet. Yes. Yes. And marshmallows. Yes. We will make it happen. Okay. All right. We Doing it. it happen. It's, it's, you've said it. It's on record now. So it is. I cannot back out. Um, Don't edit this out either. It's oh, on record. I will, not edit, I will not edit this out. Uh, I'm also trying to get us to Boston in January for AMS 100. So yes. that would be hilarious. Uh Several thousand meteorologists in one town. We all know we're going to get a nor'easter, so we might as well be there. I agree. I would love to be there during a nor'easter. <laughs> right? How awesome would that be? Be in Boston during a nor'easter with pretty much every meteorologist. Um, it would be the largest room of geeking out people ever. Right. I don't know. Would they have the computer capacity to handle it? <laughs> I don't know. They'd have to put several more cell towers over there and Wi-Fi routers and stuff so we could all be on our phones. Oh, because you all know we will be. <laughs> right. Radar scoping it up real hard. Right. I love it. Absolutely love it. So, yeah, we have some great plans coming up for uh, year number two of B-Squared. We are super excited. Uh, Bonnie, what do you guys have coming up weather-wise in the more immediate future? Oh, just nothing. Hot and humid. That's our life now. So, woo, 90s. Um heat indexes of upper 90s low 100s it's yep here we go bring on the summer because we are here right how long until you're out on the lake 
I don't know. Not soon enough. Hopefully <laughs> soon. <laughs> right. Well, we're looking at isolated showers today. Temperatures in the lower 70s. Um, tomorrow, same thing. Just a very slight chance of rain. Monday, it kind of clears out. We'll hit 80. And then we're looking at chances of rain basically Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, highs around the upper 70s, lower 80s. Very slight chance of shower, so generally a, probably a pop-up thunderstorm or two. Um, but it's kind of humid. Uh, we joke that summer doesn't officially start out here in the Pacific Northwest until July 5th. We've obviously made that as of yesterday, but it doesn't feel like it. It's cloudy. It's kind of humid. It's actually kind of yucky outside. Um, so hopefully. Y'all need to figure it out because Alaska's beating you right now. Right. So. Oh, hands down. Hands down. So um, get on it. Right. <laughs> Y'all are further south than them. Come on now. We are. Um, I want this to play. Ooh, check the ooh. The National Weather Service updated their satellite imagery page. Uh huh. So now I have like all six or all thirty channels of Ghost West. And a zoom <laughs> and, and they put a zoom tool on there. Oh, this thing is epic. Oh, this thing is epic. Please play. I wanna see this. So if no one can get a hold of Bobby for the next several hours, this is why. Yeah, I'll be playing with the new satellite stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and we get the five-minute update, so they're giving us everything. Yeah, yeah, he'll be MIA for the next foreseeable future. Yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah, I got to go let the dogs out, and I do have to work today, so I can't, uh-huh, play, with sucker. I can't, I can't play with us all the time, but I will later tonight at work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm a nerd. It's okay. I own it, and it's all good. Right. Y'all asked for this when you came and listened to this podcast. You knew what you were getting into. Yes. And now that I found a new toy, I will be playing with it for a while. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Bonnie, a great edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon playing with new satellite tools. <laughs> and I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma watching Clyde take a nap, thinking about taking one myself. Not a bad idea. I agree. I hopefully will be able to take one, but it's unlikely today. Maybe tomorrow when I get done with baseball. Oh, yeah, the new job. Yeah, out in the heat and the humidity. Uh, I'm in – I actually have to wear a coat at my job. I sit under an air conditioning unit. Oh, okay. And I I get cold. All right, bougie. Yeah, like my hands are like super numb by the time I get done working. Get you some mittens. Yeah, I need some actually. Like I legitimately need some mittens. Or at least the ones where the fingers are cut out so I can actually still, like, touch the screen. But, yeah. But I digress. We will get into that on another episode of B-Squared. Oh, mittens in July. Oh. We should all be so lucky. (laughs) Well, good luck with your mittens. I'll send you some. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, guys. We will talk to you next week on B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Bye.